Thank you for listening today to our podcast here at Word of Life. We're delighted that you tuned in. And I pray that while you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. I know God's got a big plan for you. We're excited to be a part of that plan. Hopefully we will see you sometime soon, maybe even this weekend. Until then, we pray you have a wonderful, wonderful week. Hey, church! 40 years! Come on, somebody! Let's give it up for all God has done! Hey, and you never know what can happen at a church. Oh, we can stand for that. That's okay. Yeah, we'll take that. 40 years, right? Let's give it up to God. You know, it's so much bigger than any one person, but we're honored to celebrate with you guys. You can be seated. Oh, man. Well, I tell you what, you never know what can happen at church. You know, I was thinking we need more mud for some young ladies to step in. And who knows? Maybe the parking lot guys could find their future soulmates. So you never know what could happen at church. And we're so glad to have you guys here. Before we go any further, I want to say hello to everyone worshiping at our new location on Highland Colony Parkway. Can we give it up for a whole other campus? across town. We love you guys. We had a great time at the 830, and I know you guys had a wonderful time in worship. And then can both campuses, can we give it up for everyone who's watching online today? We have so many members in quarantine and people who are watching that way. We love you guys. Thank you for celebrating 40 years of ministry with us and also to everyone watching on CBS. We're honored and delighted to have you tune in today. 40 years. Uh, This past week, I had lunch with one of our members by the name of Chris Fields, and me and Chris grew up in our youth group together, and uh, we were just reflecting on so many of the memories that we had. We had so much, gotten so much trouble. I remember Chris one time, we had this sheet of glass at our Highway 18 location that everyone would run into, and Chris, with a full head of steam, ran right through the glass. After that, we decided, we need something in front of this glass, whether it's a tree or something to let people know we don't need to be there, uh, you know, run in that direction. But it's amazing all of the memories that I have in this place. I grew up here. The church was started in 1980. I was born in 1983. Uh, So literally, it's all that I know. And what God has done here at this church is amazing. We have had six different buildings. Uh, It started in homes, and the first service was started in a little basement. There were three people. Uh, Next Sunday, we had no people, (laughs) so that was the very first coffee time. My father and mother uh, had a little coffee time together, a little devotional, and the church kept trying to gain traction, never could, and my dad was driving by a church building on uh, um, uh, in downtown Jackson and on Clinton Boulevard, and as they were driving by, he saw this church, and the Holy Spirit spoke to his heart and told him to rent out that facility. He called up the church, and come to find out, he had enough money to rent it for one month, and he put up a sign that said, preaching faith and healing, and the very next, at the end of that month, we had over 200 people who were worshiping here at Word of Life, and from Clinton Boulevard, uh, did anybody worship at Clinton Boulevard, by the way, anybody at either location? Okay, we've got some hands up, nice, nice, Clinton Boulevard, then from there, we went to a place in, in Jackson called Jackson Square, uh, and some of you may remember that, we, we had like 
like uh, the, the front of the little uh, a mall there. And then we moved into the theater and began to have church out of that location. And God showed up big in that location. And we bought land on Highway 18 and built a building on Highway 18. I know many of you worshiped with us at the Highway 18 location. And we're there from about 1990 all the way to um, 2011. Uh, and then we came over here and opened up this facility on April 17, 2011. Uh, we opened up phase one and then phase two. And then this year, we have uh, decided to just celebrate in a big way today our new location there at Highland Colony. Just amazing what God has done. Uh, and so we've had six different locations uh, that we've been able to have church at and worship at. Uh, of the six buildings we have seen in it, over 10,000 members join our church family. Uh, Amazing what God has done over 40 years with that. 10,000 members. Uh, Currently on membership role, we have about 8,000 or so. But, you know, of the the 10,000, some over the course of 40 years have graduated to heaven and are on the other side, those kinds of things. So we still count them. How many of you know we have a great cloud of witnesses worshiping with us this morning? Uh, so that's amazing. We have given over $10 million to world missions. Come on, somebody. $10 million to world missions. And here's my favorite number of all, 100,000 plus salvations. Just in the adult sanctuary alone of people who have given their life to Jesus. Now, how many of you know the number 40 has spiritual significance to it? Uh, that when you look at scripture, after 40 days in the wilderness, Jesus came out with fresh power and a new anointing on his life. After 40 years of traveling through the, the wilderness, the children of Israel were able to get over into the promised land. And we were praying this week, and I just really felt that big uh, in my heart, that what God has done over the past 40 years has been amazing and worthy of celebrating, but I believe what God is going to do in the next 40 years of this ministry is going to be exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. I'm believing for revival to come out of this church that our best buildings are still out in front of us, that we're going to see God just, I honestly believe everything that we've seen in 40 years, we'll see in the next 10 of just replicating those numbers and God just showing up in big, big ways. And we're we're absolutely honored and delighted to have you a a part of this journey. And I, I want to say thank you to all of the staff who have served with us over these years. And Uh, Some of the most important people in my life who have not just worked in the church but have helped me immensely is my family. Uh, And so today, can we give it up for my grandmother, my mom, my sister, my brother-in-law? These guys have just helped me so much and helped this church so much, and we just uh, give honor where honor is due. And I'm just, I'm excited. I'm excited about what God's going to do uh, in and through this church. And I honestly believe that God has positioned us as a church, even with the two properties that he has entrusted into our care here on Lakeland Drive and over at Highland Colony. Um, I honestly believe that God has positioned us to bring a, a fresh spiritual renewal to this community and honestly to this state. And I'm uh, overjoyed to be a part of it. I'm 37. I think I mentioned that already. And I just really see big things. I'm nowhere near, I feel like, the prime that God has for me and nowhere near the prime that God has for this church. But we're getting there. 
and I'm excited about it. And what I wanted to do today is celebrate with all you guys, and we have some fun things even after service. Make sure you get your free gift, and we've got a free cookie for you, and some new church merch uh, designed for you that's in the church merch store, and enjoy the facility again, and especially our child care wing that opened up. But I, I think what I want to leave with you is more than just a cookie or a free gift, but something that the Holy Spirit speaks right to your heart. Uh, This past week, I have just been reflecting a lot on what I've learned over the past 40 years of worshiping here, and I picked one lesson from each decade to kind of meditate on this week, and I just felt impressed to share those things with you. So I want to invite you to open up your Bible with me. Uh, You can open it up to the book of Philippians, and we're going to look at the, the passage of Scripture that this church was started with. The book, book of Philippians, chapter 2, and we're going to look at verse number 16. It simply says this, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither have I labored in vain. Look at ver- the first part of that verse, holding forth the word of life. Years ago in the 70s, my father and mother had this scripture come up in their heart, and they made a decision to plant a church right here in Jackson, Mississippi, and call it Word of Life. That that phrase, holding up the word, has been big in me. And there's one thing I saw all throughout my childhood was the importance of the Word of God, to know the Word of God, to sing the Word of God, to study the Word of God. The artwork in our homes, it was not pictures of yours truly. The artwork in our homes was Scripture. Uh, It was everywhere. We had Scripture all in the car. Our, Our homework was Scriptures to memorize, like, and it was the homework that was just done in the home of getting the word in us. And of course, I noticed that as a child, but now that I'm older, the more I begin to see how far we as a people and us as a nation have drifted from the word of God. How many of you know the word of God, it truly is sharper than any two-edged sword, and if you have the word of God, it does not matter what else you do not have, one word from God can change absolutely anything. And I have seen this church over 40 years go through tragedy, I've seen it go through storms. I've seen things come up economically that challenge the survival of this church. I I have seen my my father pass away. I I have seen life at, at certain moments get incredibly dim. But I have seen in each one of those moments when somebody somewhere would choose to get in faith and to stand on the word of God, mountains still move. How many of you believe today that mountains can still move with the spoken word of God? My father growing up would often talk about these types of things and he said the longest journey in life is the journey between your head and your heart. And if the word of God can ever drift past something where it's just something you hear, and something you just read, or something you're just around, if it can shift from here to here, mountains will move in front of you. And I want to encourage you over the years, I have seen that to be true, 
that the word of God, it is an equalizer. Growing up, my, my father would tell me this story of his brother took karate. Uh, and his brother, Danny Sims, uh, who's also gone to heaven, was an amazing man of God, pastor in this community as well. Uh, but he was my father's older brother. And so how many of you know older brothers sometimes pick on the younger brothers and that kind of thing? And of course, when the older brother is taking karate, he needs somebody to practice karate on. Uh, so he would just beat the pudding, as the way my dad would say it. These southern phrases, if you're watching from France or wherever, beat the pudding out of someone just simply means you beat them up pretty good. Uh, and so he would practice karate on them and beat the pudding out of my, my father. And and, you know, my father would just be upset, and so he'd run to his, his mom, my grandmother, who's here, and, you know, she'd comfort him, and he'd tell his dad, and, of course, his dad is trying to toughen him up and that kind of thing. So he told him, find an equalizer. Get you an equalizer. And so my father went out one day and saw my uncle out there, uh, you know, practicing his stance in the front yard by the rose bush, you know, getting in that karate stance. And my father looked down and saw like a two-by-four board and just walked up to him and hit him on the back. Uh, And then he got even in more trouble from my uncle and also from his parents. But he said, you know what? I won that day. I won that fight that day. And his point was, is in life, you're going to need an equalizer. You're going to need something that equals the situation out because you are going to face things that are bigger than you, stronger than you, and mightier than you. And you know what? It's the truth. I have seen that firsthand in my life, that there are things that have come up against me, my family, and this church that were bigger than me and stronger than me. And I know in those moments what I need is an equalizer. And you know what that equalizer is? It's the Lord God Almighty and his spoken word. I know I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, uh, but my father was addicted to drugs. A young man from the age, I was talking to my grandmother about this uh, after that service, from from the age of of probably 14 to, to 17 he was heavily addicted to drugs. She said that she saw him one day getting a, a pan out of the, the lower part of the oven and when he bent down. Uh, she just saw how his pants were falling off of him because he was so uh, just emaciated from drug use. And she said, Lord, you've got to do something or he's going to die. Like just so, so concerned that he is going to pass away of a drug overdose. And this is what my father was wrestling with. And so he, he comes out of this environment because of my grandmother praying for him. How do you know prayer works? Amen. Prayer will work. You can't give up on those children. Don't give up on them. Keep praying them through. And he had an encounter with the Lord Jesus, but he never graduated from high school. My father never graduated from high school. Uh, my father didn't go to the greatest seminary or have all of these backgrounds or all these things that they say you need in order to grow a church or plant a church or those kinds of things. But did you, you know what my father did have? He had a spirit of faith. My mother and father had a spirit of faith that when you have Jesus, you can see miracles in your life, that you might not have the education or you might not have the perfect background or you might not have the perfect environment, but when you have one word from God and you hold on to that word and you stand on that word, the storms may come, but the storms always go 
and the house that's built upon the word will stand firm. How can you get the word more in front of you? Maybe it's time. Maybe it's just time now. Maybe some of you creative artists can help with this, but we have some new artwork coming out with the word of God in it. That in our cars, we listen to music with the word of God in it. Maybe it's time to break out some confession sheets again and walk around that house talking about how the blessing of the Lord is on it. That you're blessed just because you came in the house and blessed just because you walked out of the What if we could build our lives and our families more upon the word? The second thing I saw in the 90s was generosity, just a generous heart and a generous spirit. My, My father and mother were two of the most generous people that I had ever met. And I saw them time and time again just be generous to people, be generous to missionaries, be generous to others. And I saw our church be generous to other ministries. And out of this, my my father, you know, he didn't come from money and didn't know all of those kinds of things, but he would often preach off of this scripture, and I just remember him talking about it with us. It's found in the book of Proverbs. Let's open up over there real quick. Uh, Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 24. They'll have it on the screens in the Message Bible. I'll read it to you in the King James Proverbs 11 and verse number 24, it says, There is he that scattereth and yet increases, and there is he that withholdeth more than his meat, but it tends to poverty. The liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that waters others shall himself be watered. Now, notice this in the Message Bible. I really like this translation. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. And, and I can remember in, in 1997, it was a tough year kind of for the church, the start of it, and just some things that happened in 96 that had just kind of hurt the heart of my father and mother, and just a lot of transition within the church, and, you know, they're there and, and have the debt of the Highway 18 location and the building and all those kinds of things. And summer came, and it was time for our family vacation. Uh, and we went to camp meeting, because <laughs> that's what you do uh, when you're a pastor. You take your family, not to the beach, we're going to Tulsa. Uh, so we went to camp meeting in Tulsa, and we stayed at the Doubletree Hotel. I love the Doubletree, because it had an indoor pool and chocolate chip cookies. And so I'm like, it feels like summer. Uh, and I kept trying to check in where we could get the cookies, because they give you cookies when you check in. Uh, or at that time, they did at that particular Doubletree. And I remember in 1997... Uh, going into that meeting, getting in the car with my, my father and mother. And, you know, sometimes parents think they, their kids can't hear them. How many of you know your kids can hear you? I, I don't know if, if you didn't know this, that even if you whisper, your kids can hear you. In fact, when you whisper, it makes them want to hear you more. Uh, and so they might not let you know that they're listening, but they're always listening. And me and my sister are in the back seat, and I remember my father talking to my mom about how God had put on his heart to sow $100,000 for the very first time, that our church was going to bless this other ministry with $100,000. And it was basically a large chunk of what the church had in its account. And I remember the, the war in their hearts of wanting to give, but... In the same time, wrestling with in their minds, is it wise to and can we in this season? And I never will forget the next night, them sowing that check. 
And, and I saw just God's hand of provision come on. I saw like as a, as a child and teenager some things happen in the church. But I didn't know the full scope of it until my father passed away. When my father passed away, I, I took over the church. I was a young pastor, and immediately the church fell on difficult financial times. In a year, we lost over $1 million in tithes and offerings from members who had left the church. And so we had less money coming in than we had that had left, and, and I'm trying to do the same things my parents are doing with half the budget because so many members had left the church and we're there wrestling with these kinds of things. And of course, I don't know if you've ever looked at things financially and got scared. Don't raise your hand. Uh, but I'm in this moment where I'm looking at the finances and I'm wondering, what in the world are we going to do? And I had this thought come through and I'm like, well, one thing we can't do is give like we have been given. One thing we can't do is to be generous like we had been generous. And so we, we kind of stopped tithing and started tipping and, you know, as a church to other ministries. And I began looking through the financials because the, the Lord's helped me some, especially in that season, with business things. And I, I've always kind of had a bent for understanding business. And I, I was going back through and looking at the financials, and I saw, wow, 1997 really was like the year where the church just changed and kicked up over into a new dimension financially. I'm like, that's amazing. And so I started looking through the numbers to see, okay, what was the correlation? Like, was there a huge attendance boost? You, you know, was it like 400 new people came in the church and that's why the church expanded? And I was looking at attendance and visitors and I saw there wasn't a change. I'm like, well, how was more money coming in? And I started looking through, well, maybe there was a big gift and there wasn't a big gift. And it was just like this general increase that was coming from the existing body and the Holy Spirit put on my heart. He's like, do you remember in the car that moment hearing your parents talking about, you know, can we give this right now and then the next, the, the, the next night giving that? He's like, that's a result of that. And I'm like, I guess you're right. And the Lord reminded me of this, these principles that the world of the generous gets larger and larger. And I made a decision right there in, in that, 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 that office that I would be a person who had the, the, the journey of the Word of God and the story of the Word of God, what God could do financially, not to just be something that was in my head, but something that got in my heart. And I made a commitment right there in that moment to take our church into greater generosity than ever before. And then the Lord made me test it by not passing buckets. And now we don't even talk about the offering and like all of those other kinds of things. But you know one thing we do do? We support missionaries like never before. We give like nobody's business. In fact, this year, we have given more this year than at any other year. And it's the first week of October. And I can look back at our church after times of significant breakthrough where God paid a debt, or like this year, a building was given to us, 12.5 acres, 35,000 square feet, just given to us in some of the best property in all of Mississippi. We didn't have to buy it. We didn't have to pay for it. It was just given to us. In fact, this week we were going to announce uh, when we saw, okay, this is our 40th year, October, you know, is when we were incorporated. We'll celebrate there and we'll tell the church that we had bought some property over in Madison County and we were looking to build a building. But how many of you know God can do more than you could ever do? 
And the Lord had us in February, so a $150,000 check to buy a building in the South Pacific uh, for a missionary over there who's got a boat called the Uttermost Witness. What a great name for a boat, Uh, a boat called the Uttermost Witness. And they go from island to island winning converts, and they wanted a facility to bring these converts to so that they could train them up to go back to their islands and plant churches. And we as a church bought that facility for them in the month of February, cut them a check for $150,000. And then that same month, I met with a pastor, and he handed me the keys to a building right there on Highland Colony. The appraisal's like $12.5 million. Come on, somebody. There is power in generosity. It's amazing when you have a heart for God's kingdom. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. I learned the power of generosity. And in the 2000s, as I became pastor and the the, the church transitioned over into my leadership, the third thing that God began dealing with my heart about was forgiveness. Forgiveness. Being a peacemaker and the power of making peace. I was in India. I I go on about two to three missions trips a year, and I can't wait for COVID to be out of here so I can do that again. It it, it just ignites my faith, seeing the passion of the global church. I was in India, and I was getting out to preach, and before I did, I was praying. How many of you think it's a good idea for pastors to actually pray before they preach? Uh, it helps. Uh, and I, I'm there and I'm praying before I, I go up and, and I'm almost kind of uh, complaining to the Lord. And what I was complaining about was the different things that I was seeing happen that I couldn't understand that how, like in a lot of these nations that I go into, their passion for Jesus just is so much greater than anything I see in America. Like you have a prayer meeting at 6 a.m. and hundreds of people show up for the prayer meeting. More people show up for the prayer meeting than they show up for the lunch meeting and like all of these kinds of things. And and the only thing I can link it to is just persecution. Uh, Like here in America, you give your life to Jesus, everybody celebrates and your grandmother's crying and that kind of thing. So you gain so much when you become a Christian in America. But in some of these other nations, you lose everything. Most of these people who were worshiping in that room had lost father and mother who just gave up on them, lost jobs because they became a Christian, lost their friends because they became a Christian, but they did it anyway out of love for Jesus. How many of you think we can have a strong love for Jesus that will give up anything to walk with them, talk with them, fellowship with them? And so it just always blesses me to see like raw passion like that without the glitz and the the glam of social media, of posting about things. It's just, we want Jesus. I'm there and I'm watching this and, and, and I'm talking to the Lord about like there's so much passion here out of these people, but I see like the different struggles that they have in this body and the different struggles that they have in some of these nations and what I know you want to do for the people and do for these ministries. And I hear their hopes and their dreams and the same hopes and dreams that they have now or some of the same hopes and dreams they had a decade ago and they're still not done and it still hasn't happened. I'm like, God, I see their love for you. But I, I don't see like you doing what I know you can do. And the Lord spoke to my heart. I never will forget this. He spoke to my heart and he said, Joel, there are some people who live underneath an open heaven 
where I can get anything to them that they ask for. He said, if they have time and patience, I can get anything to them that they ask for. He said, the secret to living up underneath an open heaven is giving and forgiving. He said, so many people are in a field asking me to send a harvest and they haven't planted any seed. If they would plant the seed, I would send the rain and they would walk in their harvest. You've got to give. You've got to be a person of generosity. But he said, the second thing is, is forgiving. He said, there are so many people who are asking me to put something in their life but they won't allow me to get something out of their heart. How many of you know faith works by love? How many of you know that we can speak to mountains and mountains can move in front of us according to Mark chapter 11 and verse 23, that whosoever shall see unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and they shall not doubt in their heart, but shall believe that those things which they say shall come to pass, they shall have whatsoever they say. Verse 24 talks about prayer and how we can bring our desires to God. And if we're in prayer and believe that we receive those things that we pray for, they shall be given unto us. So we see the power of faith and we see the power of prayer. But in verse 25 it says, but when you stand praying, forgive. When when I first became pastor, I was reading this story. Because my father had bought, my father and mother had bought this property and we're going to build a building here when my father passed away. And I was reading the story of David one day, and I saw how David had it in his heart to build a temple unto God, a temple that would go to the nations, a temple that would would go all over the world for its fame of what God had done in that place. And and how he had it in his heart, and he he said, I'm going to do it. But Nathan came in and corrected him, and he said, no, this is not for you to do. And the reason why is because he had been a man of war. And he said, for God to bring this to the earth, he needs a person of peace. See, so many times Satan will try to turn us into a person of war with hurts and things that get in our hearts. And God, to express the full bigness of his power and grace, he needs a man or a woman of peace to get special miracles into their life and into the earth. And Solomon came up, who was that man of peace, who didn't go to war like his father had to go to war. And and out of this man of peace, God was able to do something through his life that he was not able to do through David's. And God spoke to my heart, and he said, I need you to be a man of peace. And there were so many things that had happened in the, the 25 years up to that point of where the church had gone and just different things that came up and different hurts that had developed and different things that had come into our family and come into our life and all of them just where people got hurt and when people get hurt, it's so easy to hold that hurt against someone else and, and so easy to just, you know, harbor things in our hearts and the Lord dealt with my heart. He's like, you, you've got to make things right there. And there were were different things that had happened where churches were started and, you know, where they started for right reasons. And I was debating all these things. And honestly, I heard what was going on in their church. And it, it just like, God, I want that in my church. And pride comes up. And it's like, you know, just all these types of things that come in your heart. And the Lord dealt with me. He's like, you've got to repent for that. And I'm like, no, I think they should repent to me. Have you ever felt like the Lord was asking you to repent to somebody? It's like, if anybody needs to repent here, it's them repenting to me. And all these kinds of things. And the Lord said, walk humbly before me. 
Who walks before God? Those who act justly, those who love mercy, and those who walk before God humbly. And he humbled me. And I came to different people and I said, I've been holding offense against you. I've spoken words against you. I've spoken words against what God is doing through you. And I humbly ask God for forgiveness, but now I'm asking you. And I tell you what, I look back at that time and that season of my life in the early 2000s. Now look what God has done after that. And I'm amazed to see the answers of prayer that God has given. And you know why? I think there's a blessing you get from loving an enemy that you can't get any other way. That the, the Bible talks about that. What reward has those, has those who love those who love them? He's like, anybody can do that. A sinner can love somebody who loves them. But blessed, Jesus said, are those who will love an enemy. There's a reward that you get for loving an enemy that you can't get any other way. You know what the reward is? It's an open heaven. Where How many of you want to live underneath an open heaven where you're praying for it and God just moving there? I'm telling you, in order to live underneath an open heaven, you've got to get something out of your hand and you've got to get something out of your heart in order for God to bring something into your life. But if you can get it out of your hand and you can get it out of your heart, God can get it in your life. And the fourth thing, and this is something that I learned as a little boy, but I've seen it more over this past decade from 2010 to 2020, is I just want to be a man of the Spirit. I want to walk with them. Growing up, I can remember coming home from school, and my father would, would be sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes there on the sofa with a guitar, and I could tell he had just gotten done singing with the Lord. And I can remember walking in and noticing he's different. You ever seen someone different? You ever seen a better version of a husband before? Better version of a wife, a better version of a mama, a better version of a daddy, a better version of a friend. See, the secret to life is, is you can be a person of the flesh or you can be a person of the spirit. You can sow to the flesh and be a fleshly person or you can sow to the spirit and be a spiritual person. And I often notice, like, the, the difference of, of that, of when he was in the Spirit. And the, the, the easiest way for my father to get into the Spirit was singing. Whenever he wanted to get in that place, he would sing. And he was a psalmist so many times. Like, even that, uh, for those of you who would come to the church during um, his tenure as pastor, he would often sing. There would be many services where the whole service was him singing. And the reward of that was it was his highway and on-ramp into the Spirit. And, and God would take him to that place. And John wrote this in the book of Revelations. He said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Well, the only way you can know you're in the Spirit is know when you're out of it. And I used to wonder, like, why, why can't everybody just live there? Just live over in the Spirit. And then I became a father. And I became a pastor. And I just noticed how many things will take you back to the flesh. <laughs> just so many moments that will take you back to the flesh. So many meetings that will take you back to the flesh. So many things where you start to get forceful. Where, where you, you think you have to force an, an Ishmael. 
and you have a promise that you want to see God do in your life, and so you get determined, and you get passionate, and you get strategic, and you, you, you come up to this place where you get frustrated. It's like, I'm going to force this in my life. And without knowing it, we, we're operating out of the flesh and not in the spirit. And you know what? We get what we think we want, but it was a child of the flesh, and all it does is frustrate the whole house. See, I've learned over the course of, of almost 20 years of pastoring for myself that you can force something or you can flow with something. And I've learned over the course of, of 40 years that it's just better to flow with the Spirit. Yesterday, I was even sitting on my sofa and we had a, a family event. It was my mother-in-law's birthday and we're there with family. And I realized just like even in that moment how hard it is to be a man of the Spirit of just being in that place where you're just dialed into God, where you can walk with him and know him. And his presence is more real to you than the presence of anybody else. And I so want that in my life, but I find myself having more moments of that than living in it. And I want to abide in it, but there's a price for it. I say that to encourage myself to pay the price, but also to encourage you to pay it. I feel like I'm, I'm kind of at that vein in my life where it's like an act six moment where I can have enough staff now and the church has gotten to a place now where so many people can look at the business things where I can just give myself to the word and prayer. But I've noticed over the course of 40 years that whenever my mom or my father or myself or somebody would get in the spirit and get a word from God, get in the spirit and just hear what God is saying, that you can have a shift in your life from where you fished all night in the flesh and caught absolutely nothing, but you spend enough time with Jesus and you get over in the presence of Jesus and you slow down enough to listen to Jesus and you become aware of the voice of Jesus. You can go from the flesh to the spirit and with one word from God, fish one moment in the lake and catch the whole thing because now you've got yourself an eye and seven Ishmael. And I want more Isaacs. Highland Colony was in Isaac. The payoff of phase one was in Isaac. Highland Colony is precious to the eyes of the Lord. It was born out of prayer. We've got a building over in, in, in downtown Jackson. There's one thing that I, I look at that I wish I would have focused on that I'm going to course correct over the next 10 years. It's what God spoke to us to do in downtown Jackson. We've got a facility there. We built phase one. And while we were, after we'd built it, we got in for a couple of weeks. And Tommy Brown, one of the most wonderful men I've ever met in my life, was our outreach director. And he was showing me pictures of the outreach. And I saw a building down there. And he got over in the spirit, just looking at pictures. Saw a building down there. And the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to buy that building. It'll be the hub for what you do in downtown Jackson. I'm like, oh, Lord, I don't want to buy a building. We just built the building. And I know buildings take money and all these other type things. And then a couple of, this, this was an internal conversation. And then a couple of moments later, here's Tommy in a photo right in front of the building. And he said, you know, if we ever do anything down there full time, I think this would be the building for us. So I'm like, oh gosh, it's my second witness. And the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. And I'm debating with God and arguing, you know, giving an, an Ishmael versus an Isaac. And on the way home from church, I turned right up over here by that gas station that now has got like the Indian oven in it. 
And when I passed that gas station, I'm like, okay, Lord, fine. I'll go ahead and buy it. I'll buy it. Whatever it costs, I'll buy it. Just trust you'll provide for it. And so I called Tommy. I'm like, look, I said, I just find out how much the building is want, and we'll negotiate, and we'll, we'll buy it. And he's like, I've already done that. I'm like, of course you have, you spiritual man, you. Uh, and so he told me that. And I'm like, well, tell him we'll get it. Tell him we'll buy it. And he called him and told him we would. Kid you not, the next day, we had two checks come in, one all the way from Oklahoma, said I was praying yesterday. Lord told me to send this to you. You had a special project. And literally, within one day of buying the building, it was fully paid for by the hand of God. You can't make it up. You can't make up, you know, building a $12 million facility and paying it off in two years where you don't pass buckets. You can't make up and building another $18.6 million facility and two years later only owing $5.7 million on it. You can't make up a pastor saying, you know what, I've been praying and I know I've only talked to you one time in one meeting, but every time I pray, you're the only face I see and God wants to give you this building and give your church this building. You can't make that up. Don't you want a God story? Don't you want, don't you want your own story of, the, of going into your promised land? Your own story of how you press through a crowd just to touch the hem of Jesus' garment? Don't you want your own story where you built an altar and said, wet it with water because I got a God who can answer by fire? Don't you want your own story? Oh, I won't mind. You know how you get it? You bow your head. You know, I never realized this, but I heard someone preaching on this the other day. He said, you know why you bow your head when you pray? He said, because your head is filled with so many plans and your head is filled with so many ideas and your head is filled with so many disappointments and your head is filled with the knowledge of your past and the knowledge of your mistakes and the knowledge of how you messed up and the knowledge of how it hadn't worked before. But he said, in your heart, that's where the living God is. In your heart, there is wisdom. In your heart, there is grace. In your heart, there is power. In your heart, there is faith. In your heart, there's an idea. In your heart, there's creativity. And he said, that's why every time we pray, we bow our head to our heart and say, I'm not living from here anyway. I got a God who's greater, a God who is stronger. So I'm done living in pride and I bow my head to my heart and say, God, I want to live here. But at least I'll visit here as often as I can. I want to be a man of the Spirit. I want to be a woman of the Spirit. I want to be a mama who knows how to get in the Spirit. I want to be a daddy who knows how to get in the Spirit. I want to be a pastor who knows how to get in the Spirit. So I'll bow my head to my heart and say, God, have your way. In fact, let's just do that right now. Let's just bow our heads all over this place. Father, we come before you today and we just thank you. We want to be people led by your spirit all over the world at Highland Colony, on CBS, right here at Lakeland. Father, we say we want to be people with a bowed head to you and say, Lord Jesus, have your way in our families, have your way in our lives, have your way in our marriages. Holy Spirit, have your way. Be our guide. Heads bowed and eyes closed at both locations.
even right there online, if you're here today and say, I want to surrender to Jesus. I want, I, want, I want to surrender to Jesus. I want to stop forcing everything in my life. I know I've been living out of my head, and I want to come back to my heart. I know I've been trying to force things, and I want to flow with God. I know I've gotten frustrated, but I don't want to live out of my head with my regrets. I want to look to my heart and find mercy. And if you're here today and say, I want to make a new commitment or a fresh commitment to Jesus, Every head is bowed, every eye is closed at both locations. But if that's you right now, I want you to do something. I want you to lift your hand up. This is all I'm going to ask you to do. Just lift your hand. Somebody says, is it important that I lift my hand? Absolutely, it's important that you lift your hand. Why? It's a sign of surrender to Jesus. A head bowed, a lifted hand says, God, I surrender to you. Hands going up at both locations. Amazing. Now, everybody in here, just say this prayer with me. Say, dear Heavenly Father, I receive grace and mercy. Father, I come before you and I say, I want your will done in my life. I surrender all to you, Lord Jesus. And I say, have your perfect way. Jesus, you're the Lord of my life. My past is forgiven. My debt is paid. And my best days are starting right now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we give it up today for everybody who made a decision? Amazing. Oh, come on, Word of Life. Can we give it up today for everybody who made a decision for Jesus? Oh, amazing. Now, today, I know you're feeling the pressure, especially now that child care is back in session, to get your children get out of here as quick as possible. But we want to end today with a special moment that I don't want you to miss. We're going to sing a song, and we're going to rejoice together. And then as we sing and as we rejoice, you're going to see footage of what God has done over the past 40 years here at Word of Life. It's going to be a moment of celebration. And how many of you know what God has done pales in comparison? and what God is going to do in our church and in our life. Amen. Let's worship the Lord today.